Come on, let's give thanks to God who is worthy to be praised and adored. It's a special day and everything in your life shall stay special in Jesus' name. Let your amen be loud and clear. Praise the name of the Lord. Such a pleasure to be together once again in the house of God to worship this great God, the rock on whom we stand. Is a rock that never fails. And so we will share briefly from the scripture this morning to the earlier afternoon, and then we will pray and pray even more. Amen. Thank you, Father. For that worship, Father, we thank you. One more time, we ask that you will receive it of us and bless it. Indeed, let a memorial be raised for it, O God. Open the heavens upon us here today. Thank you, eternal Father. In Jesus' most wonderful name we pray. Hallelujah. All right, I'll just be talking to us uh, this afternoon on the topic, Grace in Time of Need of Famine. Grace in Time of Need of Famine. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that's where we get the title of the message from. So, the person in display, please, if we do that quickly. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. I dare say that without any doubt there is a lot of famine in many parts of the world. Definitely there is a degree of famine in our city. You are quite aware of that. And I checked again what the dictionary says, what famine is, and it says is extreme and general scarcity of food in a country or a large geographical area. But he defined it in a more specific way to our own situation. He says famine is famine is any extreme and general scarcity. So it could be scarcity of the word of God, as he says in the book of Amos. He said the time is coming when there will be a famine, not just of food, but it's going to be the scarcity of the word of God. And you will agree with me that the ground is not yielding much. But more importantly, economically, there is a degree of famine in this city. There is, it's becoming extreme now, you agree with me. It was drip, drip, drip before. It's becoming a deluge now. And uh, what we thought would just be for a short while, you know, it seems to have stretched and touched some areas that we thought we never touch. And so it's getting extreme, and without doubt, it's getting very general as well. And, and the plan of God is that the church should rise up from time to time to such needs in our community. Amen? And we, many of us have been wondering, how do I survive such a time like this? Amen? You know, and, and things could be pretty dire. Uh, and actually, fact, they are pretty dire in some quarters. But I know that the grace of God has sustained you thus far. And I just come this morning for a few minutes just to encourage your heart uh, before we take time to pray how to deal with conditions of famine. So we'll read a passage of scripture and together we will see what the Bible is saying to us from there. Please turn with me to Second Kings chapter 6. It's a fairly long passage and I'll read from verse 24. 2 Kings chapter 6. And I read from verse 24. 
And it happened after that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cup of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, Help my lord, O king. And he, the king said, If the lord does not help you, where can I find help for you? From the threshing floor, which is definitely bare, or from the wine press? Sarcastically, the king said, verse 28, Then the king said to her, What is troubling you? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Give your son, that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. Clever woman. Now it happened, when the king heard the words of the woman, that he tore his clothes, and as he passed by on the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. Verse 32, But Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him, and the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messenger came to him, he said to the elders, that is, um, Elisha, Do you see how this son of a murderer has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. It's not the sound of his master's feet behind him. And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. And then the king said, surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Chapter 7, verses 16 to 18. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a seer of flour was so for a shekel, and two seers of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate, but the people trampled him in the gate, and he died, just as the man of God had said. Who spoke when the king came to him? So it happened just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, Two seers of barley for a shekel and a seer of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about this time in the gate of Samaria. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. Two important ends to this story. There was the story of famine in the land and the story of famine in our city and in the nation and nations. Then there was the word of God somewhere aligned to that problem. And then there was something in between which we didn't read and then there was an end unto the story. And the end of the story was that exactly what God said about the famine came to pass. Amen. Yeah. 
And so the in-between, as important as it is, does not matter too much to me. The important thing is that there is a challenge. Amen? There came a word of God. Amen? Then there came a time when exactly what the Lord said came to pass. Is that not what you are interested in? Many people are too bothered with the in-between. The in-betweens are important. And God has a way of working out the in-between. If God has promised you that you will not be brought to shame, how that will happen, I beg you, don't make it your preoccupation. Because in making that your preoccupation, you might begin to work out your own program, which is outside of God's program. When God says that the church of Jesus Christ will experience revival in this land, how that will be is not so much of our problem. Our own concern is to make sure that day by day we align with his plan and there will be a manifestation of what he says. When God says that the deep in your finances and the fear, what will happen to your home or whatever, that, and God says, well, you will not sink. That you will not go under. Now, how that will be should not be your preoccupation. Your preoccupation should be that God has spoken and God will make it to come to pass. Does that make sense to somebody? When God told me many years ago, when I was in severe debt, serious debt, you know, apart from mortgage, racked up so much debt, not because I was frivolous, but things were just turning against me and God knew what he was doing. Was running a church without any resource given to me. I was traveling all, bulk of it on my own expense. Drained my account. Left my job. Crazy thing to do. And I went into bad debt. And God said, son, I am your employer. You will never lack. Now how that would be, I could not figure it out. You know what? Many years on, I can say God has been faithful. And believe you me, he has been faithful. In fact, I will not for the world of it go back to where I was before. I will not go back to my old dreams before, and they were glorious dreams, which I worked hard for. You know the difference? God spoke. And I knew where God spoke. God spoke to me at the corner. I've mentioned it to you many times. How many of you know where God spoke to me? Corner of Waterstein or Union Street. What is in Waterstein now? The Waterstein and Union Street. The place is changing so quickly. They call it so. So if I just come to town, some of you have been in town for long. There's a bookshop there called Waterstein. It's a water stone. Yeah, water stone. Yeah, they call it water stone. It's been there for years. As I was walking by and I was lamenting in my soul, I said, God, I'm tired. Just as Elijah lamented, he said, God, I'm fed up. If you are sitting down lamenting, you will hear the word of the Lord today as well. That word made a difference in my life. Hallelujah. All right. So that was the story that was farming. I will just mention a few things that encourage our hearts and we pray. Number one, farmings are cyclical. I've defined farming to you. Farming means an extreme and general scarcity. You heard that? So plug that into whatever situation you are. There's an extreme and general scarcity in job situation, in opportunities for employment, in whatever it is. Now, all famines are cyclical. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. What does it say? So it happened, there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was what? In the days of, so in the days of Abraham there was, that famine went away. Then in the days of Isaac there was, believe me that famine went away. Famines are cyclical. And every downturn in our lives, please, if you have that constantly in your mind that this is only for a season, it will serve you very well. 
Many will end their life simply based thinking that the current famine is the end of the road. It's not the end of the road. We've been here before. We will be here again in future. Well, it's not a bad prophecy because they are cyclical. It's those that survive those cycles that God will use. In Acts chapter 11, it was also mentioned that a prophet was prophesied. And because he prophesied over periods of famine. And God made sure that in actual fact, to be specific, let me leave that example for now. Let me give you a life example you can relate to. To be specific, you know this is not the first time. Now this message may not mean much to them in London. But this message means a lot to you here. In 2008, the message we preached in London did not mean much to you. Because the housing problem in London, you people didn't feel it here. Now I come today as a voice for God to speak into the situation and you can adapt that using the current situation for the rest of your lives. Is that making sense to somebody? Now, so this is not the first time that we will have this cycle in which the price of energy or oil and whatever will go down. You are quite aware of that. It's been before. Went all the way down, bounced up again. During that time, some people saw it as an opportunity, and God promoted them. During that time, some people went all the way down because they did not know that this is cyclical and it will not remain like this forever. Famines are cyclical. Let me give you another example. Oh, my, oh, my. Our ministry this morning, I was going to send a file to you. Maybe I'll show you another day. I was going to show you a few pictures on the screen that will shock your mind. How many of us... It's a rhetorical question because I expect everybody to say yes to that. How many of us have heard of a country called Ethiopia before? If you are to talk about Ethiopia, what is the first thing you will talk about Ethiopia? 19, does anybody remember the year? 1980s, yeah, not specific enough. 1984-85. They became the poster boy or the poster people for farming. Bad farming. I mean, people said it was a biblical proportion. Now, the famine in Ethiopia was so bad that people believed that it was not just a famine, it was a demonic attack against human race. Some people that were in the prophetic and God opens their eyes to see things, when they went through the camp of people in Ethiopia at that time, you know all those camps that they raised for people, some God opened their eyes and they saw demonic figures or demons, essentially, and these demons were moving around before, because behind all these things, there are evil powers working. And they saw the demons working there, and God quickened the heart of one of them. And he said that those demons, they will leave Ethiopia very soon. And they're going southward. They didn't know where they would land. And so they left Ethiopia at that time, and those demons, they were heading south. Everybody was wondering where, we, where would the next disaster be. And I remember some prayer people specifically in the country of Nigeria, they were praying because they were privy unto that specific information. And they were praying unto God, God, unfortunately, maybe they didn't pray right. The demons left because there was mass casualty during the Ethiopian famine. The demon was deflected away from Nigeria, it looked, and landed just a few feet down the road. Landed in Rwanda. And then about 800,000 people were killed. Now, God is involved in the affairs of men. Now, that same country, Ethiopia now, 
Do you know it's about, it's at least amongst the top 10 green economies in the world? Do you know that if I show you some of the pictures of Ethiopia, somebody did a study, did a, uh, one, some of these WhatsApp pictures. He flashed, some of those pictures I want to flash for you to see. He flashed some pictures. He said, what country is this? My first action was New York City. It was Ethiopia. Flash another one. He said, where is this one? My first thought was probably somewhere in France because of the fields were so lush and the rolling hills were so beautiful. That was a land of famine before. That is, the land of famine now is looking lush. It's looking beautiful. Can't you hear God telling you that this famine is going to turn around? Can't you hear God telling you that it might look so daunting? Everybody may even be having a laugh. They say, well, see where you are now. When, when you, you are telling us that you struck gold in that employment, in that position of advantage you are, see how you have been cast down now. And many people had a laugh against Ethiopia. Oh, many people did. In actual fact, some people were even worried that some of the aids that were being raised for them behind the scene, people were just laughing at them. See them, those type of people. See, they've come with their problems again. You know, they are always a basket case. You know, if you just, if you don't know where to just, you know, if you want to satisfy your conscience and just give a few dimes and a few pennies you know, just to calm yourself, there's always a place to throw the money. They, they, they are never do it. Their economies are doing far better than some of those that were deriding them. There are places that people want to be by all means now. Farming of yesterday has become the plenty of today. If you will just do an internet search and find out how farming turns to a green revolution, you will have an eye full of all the things that can be written. People have done huge studies about how a nation can be turned around. Farming are cyclical. Your problem is cyclical. It's only for a time. It is not forever. And it is for us as individuals to make up our mind that we shall not sink at the place that we are. Hallelujah. Famines have a knock-on effect. You know, the problem with famine is that, and, and you know, one of the main reasons why I decided to share this word after I spoken unto the Lord about it was that I discovered that as much as I believe that financial prosperity is important and I believe that with all my heart. I, I don't believe that God has ordained anybody into poverty. It's not part of God's plan. No, we will all, not all be in a huge amount of money, but poverty is not for anybody, for any child of God. Jesus Christ said, the poor you always have with you because you always have people that are unknowledgeable with you. As long as they have knowledge, they should not be in poverty. So, the center of my message, as much as it is for financial blessing, is something more than that. Because I'm starting to see there's a knock-on effect of this. Farming was what started in Samaria at that time. People then, it then had a knock-on effect until they started doing things that you could never have imagined. And a knock-on effect is gradually coming into the church and the body of believers. People are losing their confidence in the Lord. People are getting to the point in which, oh God, with all that the efforts that I've made, where is your face? I know you won't raise your hand now. Many have questioned with all the tithes that I've paid. You know, as if God is waiting everyone for our tithes. You know, heavens, they won't pay their bills. Tithes spent here on earth. And God always has a way of meeting needs. And so, 
But God wants you to give you so that you can be blessed. But I find that many of us, we are going back to that point in which this economic famine is having a knock-on effect on us. And it's important that we stop it quickly before it has an undesirable effect. And so, people are, some people are questioning their faith. They are worried. It's not they are losing their faith. It's for a while. But I've come with the word of the Lord for you today. Number one, number one, number one, this is only for a short time. It's only for a short time. Now, the Lord laid this on my heart to talk, talk to you about grace in times like this. And lo and behold, I stumbled across an article, I think, when was that? Was it yesterday? That there was suddenly a steep rise in the price of oil. $10 over the weekend. I hope people are aware of that. Are you not following it? You're not. By Friday, shut up. It's not started cascading down yet. But God knows how to rearrange the economies of this world. He knows how to cause trouble somewhere. If he has you in mind, he will do everything and anything to make sure that you are the right place. I trust him for that. I've always known him for that. Many are sitting in this room right now and all over this nation for a purpose because God is one that engineered it for you to be here. I hope you know that. To come in here to serve as missionaries. And I know the very point when the Lord did it. It's an answer to some prayers that God sent men and women from all over the world, from Africa, from Asia, from South America, from Europe, to this nation that we have a heart for that they will be saved. When people come in, people have different thoughts in their minds. People are afraid. People talk of immigration, fear, whatever. Yes, it must be controlled. But believe me, God has a bigger agenda. Oh, he has a bigger agenda. I tell you about that. So, when we are going through periods of famines like this, it's important for us to know that the hand of the Lord is working his own so that the knock-on effect of it will not drown every one of us. And it will not drown us in Jesus' name. You will keep your chin up in the name of Jesus. You will not look down anymore in the name of the Lord. You will believe that our tomorrow is going to be far, far better than our yesterday. Number three, there are no, hum- no real human solutions to famines. Very funny woman. You know, she cried out to the, to the king. What did she say to the king? He said, oh, king, help me. The, the king was in trouble himself. And so it's about time you stop looking onto human beings. There's no solution. The real answer is in God. And that's why I ask you, and I mention to you folks, that in between the word of the Lord and the fulfillment of it, don't bother yourself. Because as long as you set your eyes there, you just miss it. If he says he will do it, he will do it. If he says he will turn it around, he will turn it around. He will use his own method, he will use his own way, but he will do it. Tell your neighbor, God will do it. And he will do it for you graciously and wonderfully. In the name of Jesus Christ. Finally, now, how do I walk in time of famine and through the time of famine? Because we need to take that home. Walking in the time of famine, that is, how do I survive the period of Danton? How do I survive when my income has been, ba- my, my expenditure has been based on a regular outgoing? And that income is not coming in anymore. Because in our time, unfortunately, unfortunately, we always have a very tight margin between income and expenditure. You know, everything is calculated. All the direct debits go out. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? I'm, or I should go and preach somewhere else. 
You behaving as if these are not what is biting all of us. But the problem is the income is not coming, the expenditure is still going out. And you haven't got more choices. It's that you stop that expenditure or the income should increase. Is somebody there with me? You are committed to that house, you need to pay every month. You committed possibly to that car, you need to pay every month. You committed to that school fees, you probably need to pay anymore. Teenagers don't worry about that now. The children you are carrying about, they don't worry about that. Not more teenagers in the room, I bet. But those of you that have got all these commitments, we are asking, how do I go through? I wish this on Wednesday when I give, give microphone to you and tell us, how do we go through? How do I go through? What is coming in is not enough to service what is going out. How do you manage? You are all quiet on me? Huh? God will provide all your needs. Hallelujah. Number one, in going through moments like this, I will tell you a few things that you should not do, and I will tell you a few things you should do. Number one thing you should not do is to blame the one who will help you. Don't blame God. That was the silly thing that Joram did. Joram was the king of Samaria at that time. Did anybody try to find out the reason why Joram will ask that he was going to behead Elisha? What did Elisha do? It was not even if it had been Elijah. It was Elijah that stopped the rain. And when Ahab was going after Elijah, Ahab was the king in the time of another prophet called Elijah, who was the prophet that was before Elisha. Very similar names. So in his own case, he said, well, you are the one. You said the rain should not fall. You are the man of righteousness. I'm going to go for your head. Elisha was not part of this. Why was Joram after Elisha? It was after Elisha for the same reason why many people are after pastors. You know, when things are hard, because we find it harder to blame God, we blame the system. We say it's because the anointing is not there. We say because they don't pray enough. I know people that have just decided, I've had things that people say, they say, well, you know, where, where are they? <laughs> Where, where, where are these men of God that all these problems coming upon us? The problem is that people are intelligent enough, knowing that it's got nothing to do with these people, but these are the representatives of God, and we call it transference of anger. So when I say don't blame God, I know what I'm talking about. So you may sit down there and say, well, I can't blame God. I don't know. I know you are not blaming God, but I know others that you are blaming, that, that indirectly you are blaming God. He said everything. Hey, we just preach, preaching righteousness today. Want to talk about this? Okay, they're talking about it today. Amen. <laughs> but before now, we blame them. We blame them. And we're not blaming them. We are blaming God. Don't blame God. Because for every situation, God has got an answer waiting. The worst thing that can happen to a person is for you to call your friend your enemy. Don't walk away from him. Amen. Number two thing you must not do during the time of famine, don't panic. Don't panic. 
Panic is a natural reaction by human beings. We naturally panic. And the, the reason for panic is that you know, a, a person panics simply because it's not... I don't want to drop the real word I want to use. I want to graduate it. But the real word I'm going is that he does not have trust in God. That's the reason why we panic. But in between that and really having trust in God, the reason why people panic is because, you know, we are not sure of, you know, our own, how, how tomorrow will be like, and therefore we are wondering what will happen. Please, calm down. How is the best way for a person to calm down? Calm yourself down. And you can. You can calm yourself down. You can talk to yourself. Be still, my soul, says the psalmist. Oh, you can. You can. I do that a lot of times. As I've shared with you, the good and the bad part to the job of a minister or a pastor is that you have many problems rolled into one. Because your well-being is based on how you can come alongside people to help them in their time of trouble. In addition to the fact that you have your own troubles as well. So, constantly I think, I sleep that, when David was referring to that, I sleep that, I wake that, because my script will be marked by God how the sheep were fed. That's not the way your own script will be marked. It will be marked how well you turn up at work. It will be marked how much you preach at work. It will be marked whether you take the pen at work that does not belong to you. My, that's not my own script. It will be marked whether you delivered on time without lying. You know how my script will be mad? It's a matter how many of the sheep were bleeding and you did not take care of them. And so because of that, I leave that, I wake that. So I'm using a personal example just to communicate a few truths unto you. And that being that, it's important for you to constantly take your eyes away from the problem and set your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. Then and only then, it's going to be very easy for you to move on with the plan of God. I've mentioned two things that what? That you must not do, isn't it? What's the first thing you must not do? Number two. Number three, don't dig yourself deeper. Don't dig yourself deeper. Digging yourself deeper simply means that it might be a time when we think some quick things can happen for us to come out, especially when it involves financial commitment. That's not the time to be striking very sharp deals unless you are absolutely sure God is talking to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's because there will be so many sharp deals outside there. If you just bring this in, it will bring this result. And because we are desperate, we may easily fall for that. May the Lord deliver us. It's also not the time, it's still part of, you know, don't go for shop. It's not, also not the time to commit resources onto maybe changing careers. You know, people are just everywhere, do this cause, and it's good if the Lord leads you. But you might find yourself expending unnecessary resources to just quickly come out where you don't need to do so. Very quickly, because of our time. What are some of the things you need to do so that grace may... And all these things, you will need the grace of God. What are some of the things you need to do so that grace may flow to you in the time of famine? Number one, set your eyes on Jesus. And we cannot underestimate that one. It's all about him. Set your eyes on Jesus. Number two, rest in him. May I challenge you? Do you know sometimes it's more difficult to rest than to walk? 
Yeah. It's more difficult to stay still. In fact, sometimes you use more energy holding yourself in one place, especially if you are the one that's all over the place. It's hard. And come and ask me. Over the weekend, I expended so much energy to rest. Not knowing that I will have a long Sunday today. I know it will be long, but I didn't know. It was just 10 minutes to come in down for workers' meeting that I knew the program. And that is still going to continue possibly till well up to 7 o'clock. It probably, probably took angels to help me down to my bed yesterday. Because how can I? Tomorrow is Sunday. And use that for your own example as well. Sometimes stop doing things might be the solution to your problem. How can I? It's, it's deletion of duty. I should be, thank God, it's easy. We have all fasting, so that's easy. should be fasting. I should be studying hard. I should be opening this, opening that. The Lord said, just rest. And angels must, help, must have helped me to that bed. I mean, help me for a little while. My wife went out of the house before she knew it. She said, ah, where are you? I said, I'm out again. I'll tell you how difficult it was. I had to quickly go to the corner shop to go and change something that was wrongly given unto me. I quickly went back to bed again. So I'm asking you, please, ask God for grace to keep you still. To keep you still. To keep, so that we are not going to be fathers to the enemy. And grace is available to keep you still. Keep you still as you are waiting in the area of childbirth. Keep you still as you are waiting in the area of marriage. Keep you still as you are in healing for your health. Keep you still. Keep you still. Be still and know that I am God. Rest in the Lord. I can challenge every one of us. You have been through trouble before you came out. You are old enough. Anyone here above 20, you have been in trouble before. May I also challenge you, the trouble you've been in before is probably more than the trouble you are going through now. Been in trouble before. Been in trouble before that all sorts were just thrown my way. Used to tell you I used to be very accident prone. In one week, I may have three accidents. I will fall at work. I will run my car into the... But Jesus came in one time. He delivered me. Finally, what are the things that we say we should not do? We should do at this time quickly. Number two. Number three. Hold on onto His word because rest is not necessarily passivity. Hold on to His word. How many times we think resting simply means doing nothing? When you rest, you are in touch with God. I said, God helped me down yesterday from leaving, but believe you me, a lot of conversation was going on. A lot of, a lot, a lot. I didn't open any book, I didn't open any Bible, I didn't open any iPad, I didn't open anything, but a lot was going on. I may drift a little bit, come back again, because the focus was on the Lord. And times like this, the, the, the kind of re- revelation that will change your life and change the world, this is the time that you will come. You will come out of this family stronger. Amen. And that's why I took time to share with you the example of a whole nation. A whole nation that God turned around and everybody was wondering. Those that have got money to donate, the, the first place that Bill Gates went to, to go and open his, uh, what do you call it, Bill Gates Foundation office, was Ethiopia. Not because he wanted to, he just wanted to be part of that success story. Trust all these donors. I'm not questioning their motives, God knows, but everybody wants to be part of the success story. Because 
that is no longer replaced, that is despised. You will not be despised anymore. And where it seems as if the grace of God has been rolled away from you, the Lord will roll it back again. I cannot finish this message without talking a little bit more about the word grace. Hallelujah. Mm. Grace. In actual fact, that was boiling in my heart for so long that I'm having a fresh understanding of what grace is. Mm. What grace is? Grace. Uh. What do we call grace again? Unmerited favor. Okay. What else is grace again? Eh? God's fantastic. That's a good mnemonics. Did we all hear that? God's riches at Christ. What is grace again? Eh? Overrules talent. Thank you, my brother. Grace overrules talent. Fantastic. Good. What is grace again? Favor greater than labor. And we can multiply. But I, I just want to see grace to be honest with you, as God carrying you. You add it to all the very good ones you've said. God carrying you. God carrying you. God carrying you. That's grace. Your salvation is because Jesus carried you. Because we are day deep in sin, way to hell. He picked us up, carried us, took us to his own side. God carrying you. As easy as that may seem to some people, that it's easy for somebody to allow God to carry him. Check for a man that is drowning. And you will know that when people are in trouble, they don't always relax in the hand of those who will deliver them. They don't. So, I say, yes, Jesus will carry me. By the time we leave here, we will know. When a man is drowning and the lifeguard jumps into the water, if they can still hear you, one thing they keep going for. Is anybody that's done lifeguard training here? All right. You've done it. Okay, it would be nice for you to tell us what to do. But the little I know is that when you get to the water, the number one thing you must communicate unto the person you want to rescue is that they must stop struggling. The reason is that if they keep struggling, what is the end result? And rather than both of you going down, what would the lifeguard do? Hello, the principle of heaven is not the same. Not that you can drown God, but anyone that is resisting grace will be left alone. It's, it's, a, it's a principle. So I pray that from today, we will learn to rest in God. If it is a matter that has to do with our weaknesses, or like Romans chapter 7 says, our sinful practices, Romans chapter 7 verse 24, that thing which I do not want to do, I do. The gossip, the thought, the desire, everything that I don't want to do. You have struggled, you have fought, you cannot get result. Rest in the Lord. Believe you me, it is a huge revelation if you have it. It is a huge revelation. Get to the point in which your own struggle must cease. There are times for fasting, there are times for prayer, there are times for night vigil. There are times for just resting in the Lord and say, God, I can do nothing about it. The best of the things the Lord did for me in my Christian world, there were things I didn't contribute nothing towards. The best of the things the Lord took away from my hands, they were the things that were just following him. He took them away from my hand. Learn to ask God to carry you. Have you had those children from what age do they start saying, carry me? Is it a two or a three? 
as soon as they can talk. But when a child says, carry me, what does the child do? What does the child do? What does the child do? Show the everybody what the child do. The child, no child, when the child, in fact, the hands will first go up, and then you hear, our hands will go up in prayer today. And you will rise up with me in the moment, you will say what? And it will carry you. He has hands that are big enough to carry you. That's on your feet with me and let's turn to God. He will carry you. He will carry me. He will carry us through these difficult times. The, the tides are turning and they will not stop turning. A better tomorrow is here in the name of Jesus and it will not cease in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Anytime we ask you to lift up your hand, remember what? Is it only choir that wants to be carried? Anytime we lift up our hands in prayer, what are we saying? Lord, carry me. And it will carry you. I said it will carry you. And when God is carrying you, God help that person that wants to touch you. So which means, <laughs> there are some fire people here. And immediately, you are on the carry me side God, even your get away from me, Satan will be less. You, you, out of fear, you may, because if you look at it, he said Christ in, he said, he said Christ, that we are hid in Christ, just as Christ is hid in God. And that's why I know our time of pain and confusion, they are over in the name of Jesus. If we have time, we will see what the Lord will do for us in the next 10 minutes maximum. If he wants us to minister. But first of all, why don't we all just say, Father, we thank you. Let's give him praise. Let's give him honor. Let's give him all adoration. He's a great God. Full of goodness and mercy. Today we have asked for grace in the time of need. The in-between, the story of famine in Samaria and the time of plenty was because the grace of God came in. Because overnight everything turned around. And I believe overnight things will turn around for you as well. Things will turn around. Things will turn around. The knock-on effect of the powers that are making us to go down, the Lord will break it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, rock of our salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. I want you to pray and ask that the hand of the Lord will keep you still. I say the hand of the Lord will keep you still. There was a man in the book of Ruth. He left Bethlehem and went into the land of Moab. He did not stay still. Eventually, he died in the land of Moab. His two sons died in the land of Moab. You know his problem? He did not stay still. Eventually, they found safety back in Bethlehem again. May the Lord keep you still. I say, may the Lord keep you still. Yeah. 
May the hand of the Lord rest upon you to keep you still in the name of Jesus. Because the scripture says, be still and know that I am. Unless a person is still, he will not know the reality of who Jehovah is. But his hand is ready to keep you still. Will you make efforts? We make efforts. Will you try some dust? You will. But you will not run here and there anymore. So you're going to lift up your voice and ask, Father, keep me still. Keep me still. Let your hand rest upon me. It's a great prayer. Because that is where grace begins to walk. You cannot keep yourself still. It's a burden in my heart that as many of us as are all over the place, up and down, to and fro, back and forth, not resting in the Lord because we are not still. The Lord, we place his hand upon us and we shall remain still in the name of the Lord Jesus. Call on the Lord that he will help you to stay still. You will not walk into danger. You will not walk into disaster. You will not run away from safety into lack of safety. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. I'd like you to call on the Lord that he will help you to keep your eyes upon him. That your eyes will be upon him. Very easy to think that your eyes are upon him until you see things that are flashing in your eyes. That's where we know you're where your eyes are. You know? I'm looking at Jesus, but if you are really focused, you will not see the flashing lights here and there. Some of them are not from God. And I know many whom God has delivered from some disaster. They just thought that is why it is going to happen. But God just said, stay still. So a brother many years on, he was moving from one job to another, and I, rem- and I reminded him, saw him a few days back, maybe about a week now. I reminded him, I said, you remember why you were changing that job? The boy, the guy was here in Aberdeen, was moving from a service company to a producing company, and, you know, the pay was less, everything wasn't going to work, and blah, 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 and the rest of that. And we took a long time to pray, and it was an incredibly good father. We had so many other offers somewhere else. He could have made the wrong decision. God helped him. He made the right decision. God has advanced him beyond his imagination now. And we had that conversation, and I reminded him, he said, true, it is, pastor. Yes. Except God helps a person to stay focused, it's difficult to be focused. Focus is hard. Because especially when things are blinking everywhere, blinking everywhere. And many of them are more attracted than others. Lord, cause my eyes to stay on you. Cause my eyes to stay on you. So that I will not just be here, there, here, there, here, there, here, there. Cause my eyes to stay on you. You are the answer to my life challenges. This time of corporate prayer is for everybody to pray. Whether you can pray expressively or you want to pray in your heart, but make sure you pray. I admonish you in the name of Jesus. In a moment, we may pray it as, as a confessional prayers to help us to all pray energetically and passionately, but cry on God. Cause my eyes to focus on you. Cause my eyes to focus on you. Focus brings victory. Focus brings progress. Focus brings breakthrough. Lord, cause my eyes to focus on you. Set your eyes on Jesus. Set your eyes on Jesus. 
Oh Lord, I need all the help to focus on you on this way to heaven. That all the attractions and the pleasures of this world to focus on you concerning the ministry. For, for every one of your children here to focus on you concerning exactly where you want them to be. Help us, oh God. Help us, oh God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Something good about focus is that when you focus light, um, you know, if you take just uh, that sun as it's burning outside there, it's very sunny day today. You know, that sun outside there, you know, you can put paper under it, nothing will happen. You remember those converse lenses we used to do? You put it under it. I burnt nearly all the newspaper in our family. We did it in Form 1 or so. And for some reason, I was using my mother's reading glasses because they are convinced lessons. I didn't know I knew it. I would just take the thing. I would just burn in papers, burn in papers because it was so... <laughs> Focus is good. Do you know that laser is one of the um, technology that has the greatest implication in our time? Light amplification, light amplification that stimulated emission radiation. What they do is that they will take just one of the wavelengths. It might be the red, it might be the green, they will concentrate it so much. In fact, I think laser cuts more things in our time than diamond. Diamond used to be the, because there's practically nothing laser cannot cut. You just need to amp it up. If you amp it up properly, it, if you see laser cutting metal like that, it just cuts it like that. You know the, the, the power of laser? Focus. You want to cut things in life? Intensify your focus. And for some in this room, before I sit down, for some in this room, your focus might not even be in the area that you think you should focus. Your focus might not even be on that job. Your focus might just be on a particular thing outside of it, spiritual. Might be doing one good somewhere. He will tell you what to focus on. That focus is what will bring your breakthrough. So when I ask you to pray for grace to focus, I know what I'm talking about. Another example again, if we don't have time to pray, we're coming back to pray in the afternoon. One of the fellow pastors we've been in this city for a long time, he came, he said, people have been talking behind. He said, well, many came to this city with you at the same time. Not everybody have still remained because things have not worked out the way. He said, what is it? He said, they've noticed that I decided not to be involved in too many things. A little thing going here, I want to be part of that and be president there. A little thing going here, I want to be on that executive. What you have asked me, at least that's one, God has helped me and I can share that with you. Apart from the other things I've gone on that I've shared with you. I, did, I think God helped me to get that right. So when I'm telling you that God will help you to focus, I know what I'm talking about. I know. I said, since I kept, I said, that's the only thing God has come here. He did not call me to be part of a social organization. Um, the people from some part of the world they are meeting, you can meet, it's okay. But that's not what God, what God has called me to do is to just focus on this local church. In fact, every other thing is a distraction. Even assignments within the bigger church is a distraction for me. My focus is on this particular flock. If I do this one well, God brings them up, does what he wants to do with them. That's, I've told you that's where my script will be marked. May God give you focus. And may he help you to be focused. That is your prayer already. We don't have time to pray it. Finally, you will lift your hands to the heavens. And the prayer will be what? And it will carry you. Lift up your voice and say, Father, carry me. 
Carry me, O God. Carry me unto the next place that I'm going. Let me not be stuck in the same place, O God. Let your hand be upon me, O God. When the Lord carries you, he will carry you above hills and valleys and the rough terrains. When the Lord carries you, he will take you above every hindrance and opposition. Lord, lift me up, O God, and carry me to the place you have ordained for us, O God. Let your hand rest upon us, O God. That which you are struggling about when the Lord carries you, that health problem, ask the Lord to carry you. I know the NHS have been helpful. I know the doctors have been helpful, but brother, sister, friend, God can carry you onto the side of healing. That child issue. I know we got many alternatives that you can, many, many options open unto you. But if the Lord will carry you, you will reach to the other head in the name of Jesus. Carry us, O God. Let your name be glorified. Thank you, Rock of our salvation. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Father, we thank you. We know that you have us at heart. And your word has gone forth today that truly and indeed the famine has an expiry date. My prayer is that nobody will expire. Before the expiry date of the famine in the name of Jesus. My prayer is that you will come out stronger out of it. With some nations that grew better. Without that famine, they won't be where they are now. And for you as well, because of the death, spiritually outside there, economically outside there, even health-wise for many, I ask most high God and Father that we shall all come out of it far better than we enter it in the name of the Lord Jesus. We put all our hopes in you. We rest in you. And right now in the name that's above all names, I declare over you, you will not go under. One of the words the Lord gave unto me that none of you that you are probably worried about your property, about your, about your materials, you will not lose any in the name of the Lord Jesus. How the Lord will do it, I don't know, but the Lord has promised you he will do it for you. Shame and reproach will not be your portion in the name of Jesus. The Lord will open the heavens and we pour special heavenly blessings upon each and every one of us. You are not living here the same today. From tomorrow Monday, right until the first day of March 2016, there will be a turnaround in your circumstance in the name of the Lord Jesus. You came here heavy today. You are living light in the name of Jesus. And the manifestation of it will begin starting from the last day of the month of February in the name of Jesus. As the 29th of February is actually the addition of all the shortcomings of the previous four years. So the 29th of February tomorrow, we sense and we signify and we be unto you and a coming together of all the shortcomings of the past four years in the name of Jesus. 
I say it because I believe it. And the grace for you to believe it, receive it as well in the name of Jesus. All the shortcomings of the previous years, you will receive it beginning from tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Your labor that has not brought commensurate harvest. Labor in prayer. Labor in fasting. Labor in serving the Lord. I ask in the name of Jesus that the heavens will release unto you all the pending rewards that are due unto you in the name of Jesus. And you will testify of the goodness of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is upon you. The Bible says the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah and Elijah outran the chariot. When the hand of the Lord is upon the person, still the person may be, the person will still be faster. Why? Because it's God that is carrying him. So with the hand of the Lord upon you today, everything that has been slow, so woman here, you, your recovery from sickness has been slow. But the Lord asked me to tell you, this hand of the Father is upon you. And right now, experience acceleration in the name of Jesus. That man who has been believing God for speed concerning recovery, receive acceleration in the name of Jesus. We declare because we believe. We believe because Christ has paid the price. Because he that does not hold back his son and gave him to us, he shall also with him freely give us all things. That's why, Lord, economic challenges has nothing before you. Lack is nothing before you. The Lord asked me to test. Thank you, Father, for confession. The Lord asked me to test somebody here. You will not chase that thing anymore. That thing will chase you. And that thing is a particular blessing. It's a particular blessing. Where you are sitting, they will desperately be looking for you to drop it on your lap in the name of Jesus. As many as believe it, say amen. I don't know what yours is, but I believe it's an open chair the Lord is giving somebody here. You've been chasing something. You are chasing it. I say one more time, it will chase you and we catch you up in the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy 20 verse 1, it says, And these blessings shall pursue you and overtake you. It will get ahead of you and stop you. That blessing will stop you and say, take, 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 take. Because God of heaven and I, by his grace, is about to do something wonderful. He's called us into the place of enlargement. Enlargement in the things of spirit. Enlargement in the things of the flesh. Enlargement in all departments of our lives. Therefore, I decree over you, be enlarged in the name of the Lord Jesus. And you will come back with your testimonies. Thank you, Father. We give you honor, worship, and praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.